Hello, everyone. How are you? Good to see you. We did that on purpose. We understand that's not the easiest way to do that. We could have prayed with those and they could have sat in the lounge or we could have just prayed over the boxes. But we, we are believing, so I just want to jump off something Aaron said. We are believing that every seed we plant is going to bear good fruit. All right, four of us are. We are believing... We are believing that every seed we plant is going to bear good fruit. Wow. I hope I don't have to say everything twice this week. <laughs> but here's the deal. We, when, when Paul took his handkerchiefs that he prayed over in Acts chapter uh, 18 or 19, somewhere in there, he prayed over his handkerchiefs and his handkerchiefs went out and healed people because they touched them. Could you imagine how amazing it would be if the kids take these invitations home and just touching them, they sense the presence of God? That's why we did that. Because we believe that's going to happen. We believe every seed we're going to plant is going to bear good fruit. Wow. We believe. Do you believe it? That's the only way it's going to work if the whole city is going to get saved. Is that we're going to have to keep planting and keep planting and keep planting. And somebody's going to come along and water and water and water. And God's going to bring a harvest. Entire cities are going to come to Jesus. In the next few years, entire cities will come to Jesus. God wants your city to be one of those cities. In a groundbreaking new book, I hear that's true. And we need to keep sowing. It's not about starting something and going, well, we've done it for 10 years, let's stop. We're not stopping. The city needs to see the glory and goodness of God displayed through the church. Would you agree? And so something tangible, something real has to happen externally, not in here. Like for years, we try to get people inside a church. How many can we get inside? And the truth is, we can't get the city inside the church. So the church has to get inside the city. Right? So that's what we're doing. We're going to keep doing it. And we're actively praying for other ways that God can show us. And, and many of you are coming out to us with ideas. And we're so excited about the ideas you're getting for writing and art and, and Holly, your thing for, for your blog and where that's going to go with everything in the schools. And so amazing because God wants to get the church. The ecclesia has to get inside the city. Yeah? Into schools and into uh, business and government. Everywhere there's humans, God wants his kingdom to be. Would you, be, would you agree with that? Yeah. So that's good. That's good. So we're in the year of overflow. Everyone say overflow. Say bless the Lord. Oh my soul. I am living in the overflow. If you're happy, you know it, tell your face. Because you said the words. But bless the Lord. Oh my soul. Oh, that was better. I'm living in the overflow. So I'm having a chat with a few pastors this week. And one of them specifically had been going through some challenges recently. And he, he just said in the middle of this conversation, he goes, he goes, man, sometimes, sometimes life is stressful. Anybody found that? Sometimes life is stressful. Sometime, sometimes working with people can get stressful. Anybody working people jobs? Sometimes working with people can get stressful. He goes, how do you handle it? I said, I laugh a lot. I intentionally find ways to make myself laugh. 
I will laugh during my own jokes when you don't even care. And I'm really happy about it. Like people will say, people will say, you can't laugh at your own joke. You're wrong. You're wrong. And people will say, if you tell a joke and people don't get it, you don't keep pushing it. You're wrong again. You keep pushing. You keep pushing. Because <laughs> even if they laugh like that at you, it's okay. Because laughter is great. Because God likes to party. God likes to party. That's my point today. I hope I can prove it before I'm done. God likes to party. I'm going to talk more specifically next Sunday about Frosty Fest being a big party and proving it biblically why we should do it. I hope. <laughs> Today I just want to set the groundwork talking about overflow and that, that God likes to party. Who believes that? So let me, let me ask you a question. When you think of Jesus... Are you listening? When you think of Jesus, what does he look like? When you think of Jesus, what does he look like? There's no wrong answer. I will take answers now. Sorry. He's in a robe. Jesus is in a robe. What color? White. Purple sash? No. Blue. Purple, it's royalty. Come on. All right. Sash? The old. What does that look like? The old cat. Here, let me see. The, where's the mic, Dave? Where's the old. Sorry, I'm hearing, but you're not. Here. Uh, I picture the old, the Catholic version. Yeah. My the, dad had a picture of like the, the profile with the long hair and the white. I think he was like in his 50s, it looked like. <laughs> he never made it that far. Don't call know, me one. But it looked old. He looked old. <laughs> So we got Jesus in a, in a robe. What do you, what do you picture when you, when you think of Jesus? Yeah. Uh, it's debatable, but I see him as a person of African descent. All right, cool, cool. I can live with that. What do you picture? Well, he's definitely not white. Like he came from the Middle East, right? He's Jewish, so he's got a bit of a tan. What do you picture? Has everyone, has everyone got an image in your mind right now? What do you picture when you think of Jesus? Because it's really important. Wanda encouraged us today that some of us may need new glasses when we think about Jesus. Right? I guarantee it. I guarantee that there are people in this room right now, maybe all of us, need to wear new glasses when we think about Jesus. When we think about Jesus. Some people picture Jesus on a cross still. Some people picture Jesus disappointed with them. <laughs> Some people picture laughing Jesus. I love this picture. I love this picture. What do you think about when you think about Jesus? We've said around here for a long time, the most important thing about us is what we think about when we think about God, when we think about Jesus. It's the most important. Why? Is that true? And if it is, why is that the most important? Say it again. It colors, say it in English for the rest of our non-coloring friends. It's a lens. It's a lens on everything. 
Say everything. It's a lens on everything we think about the world. Right? The color. It colors everything. It's a lens on everything. How we see ourselves. How we see our family. How we see our jobs. How we see our church. How we see our city. It all is, is filtered through what we think about God. And I want to suggest that if you think of Jesus disappointed with you, you're probably not going to live out the Jesus life. Is that fair? What we think about when we think about God. Let me tell you some of the, the words you sang today. I'm not afraid to see your face. I'm alive. There's, there's an interesting point there because sometimes when I invite, invite people to pray with me, they don't want to pray with me because they're afraid what God could look like or say to them. And if we're going to live an overflowing life, we can't be afraid to see his face. I have a feeling he's smiling. Even if we're doing wrong, he's not mad at us. He gets it. So I want to say today at the beginning that while I'm going to talk about that God loves parties, I'm not suggesting that he doesn't think sin is serious. Right? The stuff that's in us that's keeping us from God and the stuff that's in the world, the sin that's in the world keeping us from God, that's really, really serious, right? But I want to suggest that the way we approach people, if we can approach them in a happier way, in a joyful way, in a, in a celebration way, I bet that's going to attract more people. Wouldn't you think? What do you think about when you think about God? Some people think of this. Well, Jesus is up there on the cross and he's got, I don't know what that means. And God the Father's just really old, just barely making it through the day. The Holy Spirit, unfortunately, has now become a dove because of the baptism. I mean, since the baptism, it's just all dove all the time. This is unfortunate that this is what people think. What do you think about when you think about God? Is there a chance that God could like to party? Is there a chance that God could like to party? And if it's true, if God loves parties, what should that say about us? Sorry, again? If I can prove to you today that God loves parties, it should prove to us that we should love to party. Is that right? Can I hear a woot? Wow, that was a real woot. Pray with me, Holy Spirit. I invite you to show me what God's like, that he loves parties. We see it in your word. Help me today in Jesus' name. Amen. Westminster Catechism says this, the chief aim of man is to, to love God, or enjoy God rather, and glorify him forever. To enjoy God. That's really important. Because if you don't see Jesus right, you're not going to enjoy God. If you think he's after you, you've got a lightning bolt that's ready to strike you down. If you think there's this cosmic killjoy that just wants to take all your fun away, you're not going to enjoy him. But God wants you to enjoy him. The chief end, the number one reason that we exist is to enjoy God and glorify him forever. Proverbs 7.22 says, a merry heart is like a medicine. Romans 4.17 says, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. God likes to party. Let me try to prove it to you. It's wedding day. It's a wedding day. 
And all of Jesus' disciples and Jesus are there. Jesus' mother is there. It seems from the scripture that Jesus doesn't want to be outed yet. Jesus doesn't want people to know who he is yet. It seems like that from the story. You can find it in John 2, 1 to 11. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee. And the mother of Jesus was there. Now, both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Jesus said to her, woman, what does this concern have to do with you? and me, my hour has not come. What that really means, that's not a great translation. What that means is, the idiom there, the, the Jewish idiom there means, if I do this, everything changes because people will start to know who I am. That's what it means. If I do this miracle, everything's gonna change today. And yet, he must have asked the Father and gone ahead and done the miracle. Do you know how I know that? Because the Bible says over and later in John that Jesus never did anything without the Father telling him to do it first. So somehow in this, it's not in the story, but somehow Jesus must have stopped and went, God, you want me to, Father, you want me to do this now? All right, let's make some wine. And he makes somewhere between 120 and 150 gallons of the best wine ever. They'd already been drinking for a long time. Do you know how I know that? Because the master of the feast says, why do you save the best to last? Six water pots of stone, according to the man of the purification of the Jews, 20 to 30 gallons each. That's how I knew it was 20, 120 to 150 gallons of wine. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water, and they filled them to the brim. I bet they're going to overflow. And Jesus said to them, draw out some now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. And when the master of the feast had tasted, he said to the, uh, the wine that was made, he did not know where it came from, but his servants who had drawn the water knew. The master of the feast called the bridegroom. And he said, every man at the beginning sets up the good wine. And when the, uh, when the guests are drunk, then the inferior wine comes. You have kept the good wine until now. This beginning of signs, Jesus did in Canaan of Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. Jesus made wine for a party. It was for a party. Oh, you're so quiet. You know what that means? That... Can I just be honest? Yeah. I was going to anyway, but... What Christians like to do at this point is argue about what kind of wine it was. Do you know what that is? Total religion. It's just, it's just religion. We want to argue about facts, not about how much Jesus just loves partying. I don't care what you think about drinking. I honestly don't. Don't get drunk. The Bible's clear about that, right? Ephesians chapter 4. Don't get, wine on, don't get drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery or riotous living. Don't do it. That's a sin. Don't do that. Right? But anywhere, I don't care what you do about wine. Drink water. Drink wine. I don't care. If you had a problem with wine in, the ba ba in your past, it would be dumb for you to drink. Don't do that. But what religious people want to do is argue about what kind of wine it was. Well, you know, in the first century, they didn't have the same kind of grapes. Lord Jesus, help us. 
Jesus loves to party. And when the party was messed up, he said, I guess, God, what do I do? And the father said, make some more wine and make a lot of it. Because Jesus likes to party. Jesus likes to party. Somebody say something. I'll take it further. Sometimes I think the church likes to whine more than they like wine. See what I did there? I wish I wasn't lying to you. My friend, who I talked about earlier, I know some of the reasons why he's having so much stress. You know what it is? It's people in church asking stupid things over and over and over again when they know what the truth is and what they should do. We still have to keep going over and over and over things. That causes people stress. Let me bring you some correction and some love. Stop it. Okay, I'm moving on. <laughs> Jesus loves to party. His first miracle was at a wedding to make some wine. That's important. I think that's really important. I think that's really important. Luke chapter 14, when Jesus describes people coming to him, he said he was going to throw a big party and invite everyone. You can read in Luke 14. Jesus is going to ha have a big party and invite everyone. Jesus replied with this story. The kingdom of God is like a man who arranged a great party. Everyone say great party. And sat at invitations. When the banquet was ready, he said to his servant to tell the guests, Come, the party's ready. Two weeks from today, we're going to go, hey, the party's ready. But they began to make excuses. One said, I just bought a field and I must inspect it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five pairs of oxen. Anybody? Sorry. <laughs> and I want to try them out. Now there's a good excuse. I got some oxen. I just want to test drive them. Please excuse me. Another said, I now have a wife, so I can't come. <laughs> the wife gets toasted again. How does this happen? The servant returned and told his master what he had said. He, his master was furious and said, I want to have a party. No, that's not what he said. He said, go quickly, but that's what it means. Go quickly in the streets and alleys and towns and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. After the servant had done this, he reported, there is still room for more. There's still room for more. So his master said, go out in the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge everyone you can find to come so that the house will be full. For none of those I first invited will get even the smallest taste of my banquet. Jesus loves parties. He's got a party set right now. There's a, there's a banquet table set right now, right? Is that right? There's a banquet table set right now. Who's it for? Who's it for? Sorry? Who thinks it's for us? Who thinks it's for anyone who'll come? Raise your hand. It's for anyone. The banquet's for everyone. Jesus has a party set right now, a huge banquet. It's a party. It's like, go get them all. 
He didn't say that all would come. Some of them may not come, but we don't know who's going to come. You don't know. I don't know who's coming. That's why we have to invite them all. Jesus loves parties. Would you agree? Jesus loves parties. One of the greatest things that happened that I love reading the Gospels is when Jesus heals people. Raise your hand if you've ever been part of a passion play, like an Easter play uh, in any form. I remember back in the days of New Life, uh, New Life used to do a big uh, passion play or Easter play in Sanderson Center. We used to do huge plays in, in the church in Toronto as part of. One of my favorite scenes was the healing scene. I and I was, I was helping to run this play. And I'm telling you, at this healing scene, everyone's getting healed. So, this, so Lazarus comes out of the grave and he's, it's like, it wasn't like chronologically correct. It was just a lot of people getting healed at the right same time, right? So Lazarus came up, yeah, he's healed. Leper would come, yeah, he's healed. This lady with bad arm, yes, he's healed. Yeah, this, and there's all these healings taking place. And everyone's just like, yeah! And then the last scene was always a little girl. We picked the right girl every time. It's a little girl with a cane, and Jesus was standing here, and she was standing there, and Jesus would just call her over, and as she came, she dropped the crutch and then run into Jesus' arms. <sighs> and I cried every time. I knew what was coming, but it was so powerful. Jesus loves to party. He parties in his normal life by healing. He, he parties by healing people. Listen to Matthew 15, 29 to 31 in the Passion Version. After leaving Lebanon, Jesus went to the Lake Galilee and climbed a hill nearby and sat down. Then huge crowds of people streamed up the hill, bringing with them the lame, the blind, the deformed, the mute, and many others in need of healing. They laid them at Jesus' feet, and he healed them all. The crowds marveled with rapture and amazement, astounded over the things that they were witnessing with their own eyes. The lame were walking. The mute were speaking. The crippled were make well. The blind could see. For three days, everyone celebrated the miracles as they exalted and praised the God of Israel. A three-day healing party. You see it? A three-day healing party. Jesus likes parties. Jesus likes parties. Oh, I like this one. In Luke 15, there are three separate stories that tell the same message about the love of the Father. There's the lost sheep, there's the lost coin, and there's the lost son. We, call, we know it as the prodigal son. This, this picture is a, a picture of the prodigal son when he's come home. Two things about this story that are really important. First of all, remember this, these stories. The commonality in these stories is the father. These stories, are, although they're about sheep and coins and a guy, a son or two sons even, it's really about the love of the father. The first one with the lost sheep, he says, I, I will leave 99 of my sheep to go find one. And when I find the one... What happens is I will start a party in heaven because I found one. Yeah. 
I'll read the end of it for you because you didn't get it that quickly. Luke 15, verse 6. When he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors and says to them, Rejoice with me. Party with me. So actually, there's two parties starting. For I found my lost sheep. I say to you likewise, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than nine-nine who didn't. When we sow the seed and we get the privilege of leading somebody to Jesus, immediately there's a party in heaven. Because Jesus likes to party. Jesus loves to party. Jesus loves to party. So that was the story of the sheep and the story of the sons. Says the older brother's now angry and won't go in to the party. The father has started a party. The father has started a party. He says, the older son gets ticked off. All these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me. And all this time you never gave me one single young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fatted calf. His father said to him, look, dear son, you have always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother who was dead has come back to life. He was lost and now he's found and they had a huge party. Jesus loves to party. Jesus loves to party. I have a bunch of other examples that I don't have time to tell you about today, but I want to tell you this one. I started with the wedding story because that was Jesus' first miracle. Let me tell you about the last party that's not going to end. The Bible says in Revelation 19 that there's going to be a big party. If you think heaven's going to be boring, give your head a shake, my friends. We're not sitting out on clouds playing harps. We're not sitting around. It's going to be so amazing. Heaven is going to be so amazing. And it starts with a big party and it never ends. It's a wedding. Revelation 19, 6. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, as the sound of many waters and the sound of mighty thundering, saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come. And his wife has made herself ready. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright. For the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Then he said to me, write this down. Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are true sayings of God. Everyone's invited. Jesus started a party. It's never going to end and everyone's invited. It's the marriage supper of the Lamb. And Jesus is the Lamb, and we're the bride. One day we're going to heaven, and there's going to be a wedding that won't stop. Yeah? yeah? There's a party in heaven that started, and it keeps going. Every time somebody gets saved, it's more party. More party. Because for them, it's anticipation of, one day we're all going to be together. Ah! And then one day, it's just going to culminate. It's all going to come together in one huge marriage supper one big celebration i don't know what kind of wine they're going to have but it's going to be great we've gone from a wedding to a wedding because jesus loves 
parties. Jesus loves parties. I know there are people sitting here today in the middle of very challenging things. I know that. And sometimes by knowing that, you don't know if you want to preach a message like this. But I have to. Because Jesus loves to party. And it doesn't take away from the pain you're feeling, the pain we feel here. We feel real pain here. But in the midst of it, we go, God, I know you love to party. And maybe right now I need somebody to weep with me, but there's a party coming. Weeping endures, maybe for a night, but joy, the party's going to come in the morning. I don't know how long your night's going to be. I've had some pretty long nights in my life. Anybody else? But the joy always comes. The joy comes in the morning. The joy comes in the morning. Jesus loves to party. When you think about Jesus, what does he look like? Is he happy? Is he angry? Is he disappointed? It's really important. It's really, really important what we think about when we think about Jesus. It affects everything about us. I don't know about you, and just so you're aware, I, I get this information before you, so I get to deal with it in my own heart and mind. And I had to do a little bit of repenting over this one. Because sometimes stuff happens, you go, man, I feel bad for myself. I can do that wine thing too. Sometimes things happen and you feel bad for yourself. God, why, 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 why? But we shouldn't say that. We say, God, everything that comes to me comes through your hand first. Everything that comes to me comes through your hand and through your heart first. So Jesus, how do you want me to respond now? In the midst of knowing that you love parties, how do you want me to respond now? I recommend that we all have that discussion with Jesus right now. Just close your eyes. Does anybody else have a challenge with whining? I was the only one. That's fantastic. Pray this with me, Holy Spirit. What do you want me to what do you want to show me about Jesus right now? I'm not going to ask you what it was, but raise your hand if it was good. Yeah. Yeah. Can I encourage us all that in the midst of challenging times and and even and maybe especially in the midst of great party times that we take some time and slow down the stop and go, Holy Spirit, what do you want to show me about Jesus right now? Does that make sense? The most important thing we think about is what we think about when we think about God or Jesus. It's the most important because everything else filters through it. I want to say one more thing. I'm not trying to get you to think about Jesus the way I do. I'm not trying to do that. 
If you've got a way that Jesus connects with you and it's good and it leads for you to believe that God is a good, good father, then I applaud that. That's fantastic. My goal is not to do that. My goal is to show us together that Jesus loves parties. He started a party that's never going to end and he calls us to it and he calls us to invite others to it. Yes? So I say, Jesus, use me and do it. I want to come to the party. Anybody else want to come to the party? I want to come to the party. I want to live in the party. And sometimes at the party, it sucks. But I'm going to live in the party anyway. It's a sucky party. I don't get that. Sometimes. But it, it's always good no matter what. I don't, I don't get this. I don't get how it can be good and sucky at the same time. But that's how good God is. Yeah? I'm coming to the party, Jesus. Anybody else? And I want to bring as many people as possible with me. Anybody else? Let's stand up. The final party we find in Revelation, we know that that includes no more crying, no more pain, no more death, no more heartache. That's a good party. We don't get that party here yet. So what we have to do is learn how to deal with those things here and now. Right? In a positive way, an intentional way. Psalm 1611, you show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hands are parties forevermore. That was a paraphrase. The word was pleasures. Just close your eyes, would you? I honestly believe there's nothing more important that we can grab a hold to hold of than this. The most important thing is what we think about when we think about God. The most important. So your challenge to think that God is not good, and your challenge to think that God is not great, and your challenge to think that God is upset, that's not going away today because we saw eight parties. It's not going away because it's been, a, it's been a trick the enemy has used forever to get people to turn away from God. So what we have to do is we have to fight to keep God, God's real image before us. Do you understand? We have to fight to go, this is who God is. This is who Jesus is. This is who God is. This is who Jesus is. And it doesn't matter what anyone else says. I've heard a thousand stories of what people say you're like. I've heard thousands of stories, God, of what people say you're like. But I know, I know you're a good, good father. There's still thousands of stories out there. It's, they're not going away because we're going to walk out of a pretty building. They're going away. They're not going away. Those voices, those stories are still there. But we have to, we have to grab on to the fact and the truth that he's good. He's a good, good father. Do you agree? Yes. Yeah. I don't know how you're going to grab onto it. I know what's worked for me, and I'm not trying to push it on you. I, I just, I'm just saying, you have to find a way to grab a hold of it and never let it go. Because everything else rests on this. Everything else about your life, everything else about your family, everything else about Freedom House, everything else about our city and our world rests on this. Good. Jesus loves to party. 
And for whatever reason, he invited us to the party and said, bring as many people as you can. How many are in? Come on, raise your hand if you're in. Come on, let's lift up our hands. Jesus. Heavenly, just pray with me. Heavenly Father, I ask that you'd forgive me when I haven't seen you the way you truly are. Today, I want to see you. I want to see your face. I want to behold you and never look away. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Holy Spirit, to do this for all of my life. Thank you for the party that you've invited me to. I quickly come. I celebrate with you. Help me to bring as many people as I can to this amazing party. In Jesus' name, amen.